Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. And if you're watching online, howdy. We're welcome. We're glad to have you for the next 55 minutes. Hey, we're in a series. We're going to close it today. We're trying to get the emphasis to everybody about the power of being connected. So last week, I preached on the law of connection. Everything God makes, he connects. Everybody's connected. God sets the lonely, the solitary in families. And we've quoted a number of scripture about how that law of connection works. That when things are disconnected, they don't work. So if you missed that, you'd like to check it out, just go to our website and go to media and you'll be able to punch it up and take a quick listen. Today we talk about why we need each other. And that's important for the Lone Star State because it's all about being alone, right? So we're going to start with a message today, very counterculture. It's very radical in today's culture because we Americans love our independence. Our nation was founded on the Declaration of Independence. So we love it. We love it when Frank Sinatra sings, I did it my way. We like to hear him sing, I gotta be me. And I don't want anybody to tell me what's it all about, Alfie. Wow, we love to be alone, disconnected. So we kind of think we've been taught that happiness is the result of independence. So if I'm financially independent, relationally independent, if I'm independent in every way, then I'll be the happiest. And yet statistics prove it to be not true. We've probably had, never had more unhappy, chronically depressed people killing themselves slowly or by suicide. So it's obvious that independence is not the answer. The truth is, real happiness doesn't come from being independent or isolated, living your life with barriers up and keeping people at arm's length. Now, real happiness comes from interdependence or from community. Notice Romans chapter 12, verse 5. Paul writes, since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the other. Tell the person next to you, you need me. <laughs> and then tell them, and I need you. See, we probably had 100 marriage proposals right then. <laughs> well, we do need each other, but we don't realize it often because we're taught independence. So no matter what God's purposes are for you, you will never fulfill that purpose alone. God has wired all of us in such a way we can only fulfill his purposes for our lives in relationship, in community. So today, we're going to look at why we need each other, the five reasons you need a church family, and why you need to be also part of a small group with a few other friends. We'll be able to sign you up right out in the lobby as we leave today. So point number one, I need others to walk with me. I need others to walk with me. In other words, I need people to help me grow spiritually. Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7 says, Just as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So the Bible calls your spiritual life your walk. Why? 
because life is not a sit-down thing. It's a journey. You're always growing and moving in life. So there's a destination to arrive at, and as we walk through life, God wants us to do certain things. All through Scripture, we're told to walk in the light, walk in love, walk in obedience, walk in the Spirit, walk as Jesus walked, and we're told to walk in wisdom. But we're also told that God never intended for you to walk your life alone. Never. Please understand, that has nothing to do with being married or being single. Just wanted to get that gorilla out of the cage so you wouldn't think of that. See, we got many single adults who are actively involved in community at Summit. They're definitely not walking alone. And we also have people in this church who are married and desperately lonely. So, so marriage also is not the antidote. Community is the antidote. So the problem with being alone is you never learn cooperation. You never learn how to live in relationship. God says, I want you to walk through life with other people close in relationship with you. And he says it for several reasons. Reason number one, it's safer. It's safer. There's safety in numbers. It's a lot less risky. If one falls down, the other can lift him up. That's uh, Ecclesiastes chapter four. Second, it's supportive. Everybody needs encouragement and support from time to time. It keeps you from giving up. You know, with others around you, it keeps you going so you don't quit. Now, when you run alone, you can run fast. But when you run together, you can run far. In fact, the Navy SEALs had a test where they put somebody in ice water, timed how long they could take the pain and endure. And then when they did it again, they put someone beside that person and they doubled the time in the pain. When you have somebody with you, it's easier to bear the burden. It's easier to take the pain. And life, by the way, is a marathon. So to run far, to last, we need others. I mean, there are people that don't relate. You can go back in any church USA, anyone in San Antonio, including this one. And I can see people who made a good start, dropped out, didn't get connected, didn't make any friends, gone. Didn't let, didn't make the race, didn't run the race. What good's getting in it if you don't finish? What good's starting anything if we don't finish? So, ever wondered why geese fly in a V formation? Well, aeronautically, because they can fly farther with updrafts from the other geese in front of them. And it takes a lot less effort. And when we do life together, we're a lot less tired. So it's safer. Secondly, it's supportive. I get encouraged by different people I have connections with in this church uh, every week, and especially when things are tough or when something happens, it's great to have those people around. Third, it's just smarter. It's just smarter. You learn a lot more when you go through life with others. I didn't know that. People help you to learn, you know. If iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another, Proverbs says. So it makes you, makes you sharp. You, you chip off some of those dull edges when you're, when you're together. Proverbs 28, verse 26 says, only fools trust what they think alone is right. So if I'm the only one who thinks it's right, I'm usually wrong. <laughs> my, my wife said, Rick, Rick may not be right, but he's never in doubt. <laughs> you know, where men are like that, I guess. 
But when you walk alone, who can tell you you're going in the wrong direction or you're on the wrong track? Give you a little loving correction as a pal. Proverbs 24, 6 says, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. How many doesn't like that? I always ask somebody when they get in a minute, did you ask anybody about this? Did you consult anybody about this? Somebody left the job for something that was well paid. It was some kind of government employee and then couldn't get it back. And I said, who did you talk to before you resigned that? You didn't tell us. You didn't, tell, you didn't get in. You can still do what you want, but you didn't get any opinion or advice. Wouldn't you like to know? Man, I didn't know about that. Thank you for telling me. Didn't think about it. In the multitude of counselor safety. But why don't people want to get the counsel? Because they want to do what they want to do anyway. I'm not big into counseling. You can tell why. Because people still going to go do what they want to do. I mean, don't get mad at me, but I don't read about counselors in the Bible. You know what I mean? They just going to do what they're going to do. And you just wasted all that time in Kleenex. And they're still going to go do what they want to do. That's just my opinion, just an opinion. That's not the Lord, okay? I, I'm just speaking out of my own flesh right there that looking at life experiences, it rarely does much good. Sometimes if somebody has an attentive heart, a listening ear, and is smart, but most of the time they just pull off the dumbest choices and don't talk to anybody about it just to get some another opinion or two opinions because there's something you didn't think about and boy, it could save your life. So community's smart, it's supportive, and it's safe. And boy, are you quiet. <laughs> Going through life with a few close friends teaches you cooperation. How to get along. Anybody got kids? It's one fight after the other. And what are you trying? Billy, put that back. Give that back to your sister or share that with your friend. You're teaching family responsibility and community in a natural family. So for God's sake, people can do it when they get in a spiritual family, which is the church. How to cooperate, how to get along with other people. You have to learn that. Even our children have to learn that with their siblings. Have you noticed that when you walk with people, they all have a different pace? My wife, even last night going down the hall, reminded me, slow down. It ta you take long strides, and, and I do. So when you walk together, you have to learn cooperation. Genesis 2, verse 18, God said it's not good for man to be alone. So that's the first thing God said after creating Adam. God hates aloneness. So he created two institutions, the home and the church. So you have a physical family and a spiritual family. Your physical family is not going to last forever. People die. People move away. So you need a spiritual family, and that's the church. Your spiritual family will last forever. And God's safety net is his family. Hebrews 10, verse 25 says, Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is after COVID. Instead, let us encourage one another daily. So God's intention is for us to be together. And he says, don't forsake it as the manner of some is. I, I love to meet people I know, catch up. How was the week? What happened on this deal you were working on? Did that sale go through? Or how are you feeling? How did that surgery go? You get to connect. Otherwise, you get no connection with a screen on your phone. 
It's good if, you're, if you can't be here, if you're away or ill, or you had some responsibility to take care of. But ideally, you want to be here in community to encourage each other. We need people to encourage us in our daily walk. And how do we do that? Well, by meeting together. You can't have community in a large crowd like, like a Sunday service. Community happens when anywhere from maybe three to ten people get together. Any more of a crowd than that, people stop talking. And then they stop relating. So you could be in a crowd. You could come to church every week for years, still be lonely because you never got to know anybody. You never connected to anybody. Community is God's answer to loneliness. And we all need a few people in our lives that we know really, really well and that know us really well. And we all need a place or a group where we can practice relationships and really learn how to love. When we have uh, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous or a recovery group. We're going to start that uh, this year with uh, Chris Estes, who leads a lot of the recovery groups, pioneer across the city. That's not a weakness. In fact, sitting with other people who have the same problem as you helps encourage you. Some are doing well. Some are further along. Some are newbies, just like you. So the idea is by getting in a group, you encourage each other and they pray with each other so you're not by yourself. The truth is, we just don't know how to build great, healthy, strong, lasting relationships in this country. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26, here's what Paul says. He says, when you gather together, each one of you be prepared with something useful for everybody. Sing a hymn, teach a lesson, tell a story, lead a prayer, provide an insight. Take your turn with no one person dominating and taking over. You all learn from each other. Now, you can't do that in a crowd. If you did that in a crowd, a corporate meeting, we'd be here through next week listening to everybody. So that's not possible. So you can't do it in a big crowd. See, this is not community. This is a crowd. So the question is, in the New Testament, it was temple courts for worship and house to house for fellowship. And you need to have both to be healthy spiritually. When you walk through life, you need a small group of believers walking through life with you. Ephesians chapter four, verse 16 says, as each part does its work in that body, it helps the other parts grow. So Christ's whole body, the church, is healthy and growing and full of love. Don't you, don't you, wouldn't you hate to go to the doctor? And he says, well, your kidneys aren't working. We're going to have to put you on dialysis or this part, this organ isn't working. Well, that's not good news, right? You want every part in your body working. I do. I don't want spare parts that floating around in my body. And I want every part to do its job because every part including your ear hair and nose hair, have a function. Yes, I just wanted to mention that. It's not, it's not wasted space. It does serve a purpose. And that's what God wants. He wants all of us to grow. He wants all of us to be full of love. And how you do that? You got to get in some small groups and connect with each other. That's what community is about. So I'm asking you, as we leave today, <clears throat> assemble in a small group. Sign up for one. Try it out. You can do this. You may make a best friend for life. You never know. 
See, learning about community is worthless unless you get into a small community, a small group. And I'll tell you something, the host of those homes are the ones who grow the most. Why? Well, that's a Bible law. God says those who give out, get more back. Give and you shall receive. Those who bless others are always more blessed themselves. See, so the first reason we need each other is because we need people to walk through life with us. Second reason, we need people to work with us. You need people to work with you. The Bible says that God put you on earth to do certain things. And you need people to help you do those things. Ephesians 2.10 said, God made us to do good works, which he planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. Before you were born, God Almighty decided what talents you were going to get, what natural abilities you would have, what gifts you have, what background you'd have, what nationality, and what race you would be. He decided all those things before you got here because he has a certain thing or things he wants you to do with your life, your good works. You're going to fit in great when you do what he made you to do. When you try to do what you want to do or somebody else wants you to do, it can be a strain, but not when you fit into what God made you to do. It comes easy. It's just, why? It's a gift. People say, I don't know how I know. I just know. See, if I ask you to get up and speak for five minutes uh, on anything, just get up here and talk. Some of you would die. We'd have to call EMS. Well, that's never scared me in my life, ever. Even in the rock and roll business, man, I was the youngest kid in the group, but I, they'd always make me get up and speak or uh, do some questions with the DJs that hosted us in Birmingham, Alabama or somewhere. I never connected the dots because nobody in church ever taught me anything that I went to except going to heaven. But the point was, I had a life on earth, which I quite enjoy. I'm not looking to get in the next load for some of you that want to. God bless you. I want people to say at my funeral, look, he's moving. He's, yeah, I love life, man. I don't want to fly away. And so whatever it is that God gifted you to do, when you use it to help other people, it's called your ministry. Anytime you use the talents God's given to you to help others, that's called ministry. That's called service. But God doesn't want you to do it by yourself or you'll get overstressed and burn out. So you need other people to help you. You know, you can be tired all the time on earth. In fact, a lot of you were probably tired when you came to church this morning. <laughs> so you try to do it all or you try to do it all by yourself. Not a good deal. Not part of God's plan. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. This is a book of wisdom now. Verse 9. Two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. That's just good old common sense. It's true. You always get more done by working with other people. We couldn't have given out school supplies to an entire school each year alone. We had hundreds of you contribute. We couldn't have given away 1,500 Christmas presents to every child in Bear County Child Protective Services if over 1,000 of you hadn't stepped forward and donated and made it happen along with our sponsors. You know, snowflakes are frail. But if enough snowflakes stick together, they can stop traffic and shut down a city. Well, we got hundreds of snowflakes in this church every Sunday. That'll stop something. Better yet, that'll start something. Mother Teresa had an army of other sisters behind her. She didn't do it alone. It takes an army of volunteers in the streets of Calcutta to do what she did. 
She said, I can do what you can't do. You can do something I can't do. But together, we can do anything. I love that. Each of us can make some difference if we'll just do our part. And the reason so many people are exhausted is you don't have anybody helping you. So community is God's answer to fatigue. By the way, I think we have a picture. Ever watch Amish folks put up a barn for a neighbor? They all pitch in by the hundreds doing their special part, and it goes up in a day. The entire community turns out. Get you some of that, San Antonio. Wow. Galatians 6, verse 10 says, Every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. And that happens to be the church. So we need people to walk with us. We need people to work with us. Number three, we need people to watch out for us. You need people who have your back, who will defend you, who will protect you, who will stand up for you when you're not present, who will help you stay on track, who will warn you. We need people to watch out for us. Philippians 2. Verse 4 says, look out for one another's interest, not just your own. Now, that's a countercultural statement because in America, our attitude is it's all about me, my need, my interest, my hurts. And yet the Bible says, look out for one another's interests. You've all seen those neighborhood watch signs in certain housing developments. That's a sign of community. It says, hey, we watch out for people that live here, and we're watching you. If you leave for a week of vacation, you inform your neighborhood watch so they can keep an eye out at your house, right? Yeah, you've seen them. On a deeper level, do you have anybody looking out for your soul? Because your soul is way more important than your stuff. Who's watching out for you in your spiritual journey, making sure you're not getting sidetracked or discouraged or tempted to quit? Now, we all have blind spots. Everybody does. You can't see them. There are spots in our lives we just can't see. But others can. You know why you're deceived? Well, a deceived man doesn't know he's deceived. That's why he's deceived, you see. Want to try that? No, if you could see it, you wouldn't be deceived. But a deceived person doesn't, doesn't see it. So you need somebody to tell you, you got spinach on your teeth or you got a big tear in the back of your blouse, or you've walked in with your pants unzipped. One of our brothers, believe it or not, one of our brothers told me today he walked into this service and one of the greeters said, your pants are unzipped. Oh, Lord, okay. Listen, I'll tell you what, he was appreciative. I would be appreciative too. That's quite possible. But you need somebody looking out for you, right? Who will love you, care about you, Point out something you can't see. Hebrews 13 verse 1 says, keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should. So Christians ought to take care of other Christians. Keep being concerned about each other. Not just once, but an active participant in my family. <clears throat> I got to watch out for Cindy, watch out for Chrissy, Alicia, and then we got grandchildren as well. I mean, I'm, every day it could be something. In, in 9-1-1, 9-11, we remember the tragedy. But since 9-11, we've become more vigilant as a country about terrorism. But you and I, as believers, have a greater enemy than any terrorist, and his name is Satan. 
and he wants to destroy us, to steal and to kill and to make us totally ineffective. He wants us to miss God's will for our lives. He doesn't care. Listen to this quote from the 9-11 Commission Report and see if it doesn't apply to your spiritual battle with the enemy every day. It said, we learned about an enemy who is sophisticated, patient, disciplined, and lethal. The enemy rallies broad support by political grievances, by its hostility towards us, and towards our value. It's limitless. Its purpose is to rid the world of religious pluralism. It makes no distinction between military and civilian targets. Collateral damage is not in its lexicon. And by the way, Satan doesn't care who he hurts either. Satan can hurt, can't hurt God, so he goes after his kids. The 9-11 report went on to say, we did not understand how grave this threat really was. And most Christians sitting in church don't either. It says, now we, we didn't adjust our policies and our plans and our practices to deter or defeat that enemy. And most Christians don't either. It says, the test before us is to sustain the unity of purpose and meet the challenges now confronting us. We need to design a balanced strategy for the long haul to attack terrorists while at the same time protecting ourselves against future attacks. Did you see that? It, in spiritual battle, it's not just protecting ourselves, it's also going after the enemy. Satan doesn't wear a red suit. He works through people. He works through habits that you can't break. Hurts you won't forgive. Hang-ups you can't change. Problems or circumstances in your life or in your relationships that just mess up our life. It's all indirect. And most of the time, people are defeated. Why? Because we try to fight on our own. But you won't defeat the enemy alone. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated but two can stand back to back and conquer, and a three-cold cord is not easily broken. That's Ephesians chapter 4. So we're better together, no doubt about it. We need people to help us. I preached in Belfast, Ireland many years ago, and they were having the IRA terrorism and bombings. It was horrible and dangerous. Well, the Protestants and Catholics had borders, and it was violent beyond, beyond anything we've seen. So I had bodyguards with weapons around me taking me to and from these open-air tent meetings in Belfast, Ireland. Wow. And I'm glad they were there. Who's watching your back right now? Who's watching your back spiritually? Anybody close enough to you helping you make sure you don't fall into the typical traps that mess up people? Well, if not, I kind of pity you because you got a big bullseye on the back of your shirt there and the enemy's aiming at it. And whose back are you watching out for? You can't expect anybody to watch out for you if you're not watching out for anybody else, right? When I was a, a water safety instructor, uh, a diver, and a lifeguard in college, rule number one, never swim alone. Never. Because if you get in trouble... You got nobody to help you. You also don't go climbing alone. Every several years, something happens bad. I remember, do you remember on the news, several years ago, a young man went rock climbing in Arizona, fell in a ravine, got his arm pinned against the wall by a boulder, and he couldn't get it free. He couldn't use his phone. There was no signal. 
He finally took out his knife and cut off his own arm rather than die alone. Had he been with a friend, he'd still have an arm and it would have been an easy problem to solve. Alone is not good. Community is God's answer to defeat. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 10, if one person falls, another can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. And that's one of the values of small groups. It'll give you support. You don't know what's going to happen to one of the children or uh, the husband or spouse. Something happens. You have no idea. But to have people in community with you can pray with you, encourage you, and help you. So I need people to walk with me through life. I need people to work with me. I need others to watch out for me. Number four, I need others to wait and cry with me. That means you need people who are going to be there in the inevitable crisis of life. You know, when you're waiting for bad news or when you're crying because you got the bad news. You need people in your life. Nobody should have to wait alone in a hospital during a life or death surgery. No woman should be alone while she waits in a lab for tests on a problem pregnancy. Nobody should have to wait alone for the coroner to identify the body of the loved one who just had a heart attack in your home or committed suicide in your home. No one should have to spend the first night alone after the spouse dies or has walked out on them. You shouldn't be alone. See, we're not meant to face the crisis of life alone. And some of these crises will occur in your life. Only a fool would go through life unprepared for what inevitably will happen. And that's when you need your support group. Maybe just four or five people who are there when you need them. And the time to prepare for that is not when the crisis occurs, is now. Build those friendships and relationships now. The safety net God has prepared for you and me is a group of believers who are committed to you. In 1 Peter, he says, you should be like one big happy family full of sympathy towards each other. Now, when you're in the hospital, you don't want the whole church to visit you. That's not a good idea. But it'd be nice to have three or four of your closest friends to visit you and pray for you and encourage you. Hey, if you come to Summit for a long time and you don't get involved in any connection, any small group, and you don't develop any relationship, you just sit down, you attend, you go home, and the day comes you are admitted to the emergency room in the hospital and nobody comes to visit you because they didn't even know you were there, Sparky. That's your fault. You don't care about anybody but yourself. You didn't visit anybody. You didn't serve anybody. You didn't help anybody. You didn't take the time to get to know anybody in your spiritual family. And when the crisis comes and there's nobody there for you, look in the mirror. It's your fault. James says, he writes in the book of James, any among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church or the leaders of the church. It's your responsibility to reach out and make that connection. We're not mind readers. We can't know your wife just had a, had a miscarriage unless you tell us. Nobody knows. You see the point? Why are you all so quiet? This is really elementary kindergarten stuff. This is really easy, simple. So here's God's plan. And by the way, I've told you before, being connected can open doors for you, create a job for you 
connects you to somebody who will hire you. you that's, there's so many benefits to being connected. Everybody knows somebody who knows somebody. The big famous general, Nate, uh, Naaman, that had leprosy, had a little housekeeper who was uh, a little Jewish girl, uh, been captive and taken to his country, and he got leprosy, and that's got to be the worst thing in the world then, no cure. And she said, she's probably cleaning the sink or the tub or something, sweeping the kitchen, and said, you know, boss, I know somebody down in Palestine who can heal you. You do? Yeah, he's a prophet named Elijah. And that dude went down there and got well yeah. out of a connection. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure that was a willful connection. She was put in servanthood there, but she used her, she, God used her there to turn this guy around, heal him, and uh, let him know that God was real. I thought it was pretty cool. You never know where God's going to put you, who you're going to influence, right? Here's God's plan, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 26. If one member suffers, everybody suffers together. How sad people die in their homes. Nobody even knows it for several weeks until some neighbor reports a bad odor from the house. How do you do that? How do you get that disconnected? You decompose and nobody even knows it. How do you end up on a parking lot with a will work for sign or begging for a tip out there in the middle of the night next to a mall somewhere with your little sign or begging? How, you didn't get there this weekend. You haven't. Can I call, can I call your family? No. Can, do you have a relative? No. Do you have a, a church, a business? Do you have a neighbor? Do you have anybody I can call? Can you, have you been to the, no. Guess whose fault that is? That's not the community's fault. That's his fault. Those are the choices you make to get in that position. And I guarantee you, if somebody repented from that and said, God, help me, I guarantee you, God would start making connections automatically to get that person to him. I've seen it dozens of times. God does care about you and love you. But I'm trying to say, how do you get to the place you don't know anybody? There's nobody we could call. You don't have any route. That means you suck. You've broken all the connections. Nobody wants anything to do with you anymore. Thank you very much. I was waiting to see if you'd ever come alive. Thank you. So community is God's answer to despair. In Romans chapter 12, verse 15, he says, be happy with those who are happy. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So party when people have a celebration, got a new job, got a bonus, got a raise, got a new house, whatever. And weep when they get laid off, when they have a tough time when things go bad, when the doctor gave them a bad report. You don't have to fix people's problems. Most people don't want advice anyway. They just want somebody to be there. Just sit there, be quiet with them, put your arm around them, pat them on the back, just listen. It's therapy. It is. See, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage each other and strengthen each other. Here's our last one, number five. You need others to witness with you. God has a plan for your life and mine. He has a mission. And you have a life message that God wants to say to the world. And that can be scary alone. That's why you need other people in your life. 
you know, there's great power in a group witness. When people come to summit and they look around and see people and say, well, look at all these people. Something must be going on here. Now they're in a corporate gathering or a small group. And that's the best way to witness to people who don't know the love of Jesus yet, simply by loving other believers. In John 13, Jesus said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Notice he didn't say your, your character, your morals, your theology, your love for one another. It's not my love for God. It's your love for one another, for other people in the family of God. It's proof you're in the family of God. It's not our building. It's not our music. It's not our sermons. It's our love for each other that proves we're in the family of God to a non-believer. In 2 Timothy 1, 7, it says the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to be afraid of people but to be wise and strong and to love them and enjoy being with them. So you invite your friend to our community or you invite them to a small group in a host home. The, the barriers go down. It's easier to witness to people that way in a group. See, let me ask you, anybody going to heaven because of you? Anybody? A whole lifetime? It's a whole lot easier when you're with a group of people and introduce a friend in that corporate group setting. God's answer to fear is community. See, we're working together, struggling side by side to get others to believe the good news. So we all need each other to walk with us, to work with us, to watch out for us, to wait and cry with us, and we need others to witness with us. We are better together. Amen and amen. Bow your head with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, forgive us for thinking we don't need other people in our lives. Help us be part of what you're doing on earth through your family, the church. Maybe you've never connected to Jesus. Maybe you're just not sure. We can resolve that this day, this minute. I'd love to pray for you. Nobody's going to ask you to join anything. Nobody's going to come to you. Nobody's going to make you say anything or do anything. I'd just like to know to pray for you. And if I can, just slip a hand up and take it down. God bless you. God bless you. Upstairs. Oh, yeah. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you in every section. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. He wants you to know you're a child of God. And I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask the whole church, everybody, if you're online, you pray with us. We're just going to pray out loud a little baby prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, you are the son of God. You died for me. You paid for my sins. I could never pay for it. Come into my heart as my Savior and Lord. Jesus, I give you my life, body, soul, and spirit. Thank you for eternal life, the gift of God. I receive it now as my Lord and Savior. Lord, help me live this life with others. Maybe encourage somebody, maybe share with somebody, maybe have someone share with me. It's mutual. Help me be a good witness. Help me learn the power of good connections. Help me fulfill your purpose for my life in my generation. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. 
Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.